Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Start having narratives about what you do and why that leads to revenue. I think that's the first step you need to take in order to become driven by revenue and, you know, as opposed to vanity. Being able to explain why are we doing these things. Welcome back. I hope your week's been fantastic so far. Awesome, in fact. Now, if you haven't yet listened to my recent conversations with Janet Neal of Superb Woman Inc. and with Dr. Dwayne Varan of Media Science, then go check them out. It's well worth listening in. But stay here. Listen to today's conversation first. I'm really excited today to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Stefan Hedebrandt, who's the Chief Revenue Officer at Dream Data, a revenue attribution platform that collects joins and cleans all data to give an insightful value to your business. Stefan is a subject matter expert in connecting marketing activities with revenue. He has an exponential growth mindset, is data-driven by heart, and loves all parts of scaling the commercial side of a business. A notorious growth hacker with a successful track record of scaling businesses and building teams, he knows the pain points of rapidly scaling marketing and growth firsthand. In our conversation today, Stefan talked to me about improving customer experience by knowing your data. We talked about using stories to instigate change. And Stefan emphasized the power of ruthless prioritization and focus. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Stefan Hedebrandt. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today, all the way from Copenhagen in Denmark, Stefan Hedebrandt, who is the Chief Revenue Officer and co-founder of Dream Data, which is a service that collects all of your revenue-related data, joins it up and presents it in a way that's clear and insightful and adds value for your business. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Stefan. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. <laughs> Thank you, Jürgen. And that was a pretty good pitch for what we do at, uh, <laughs> at Dream Data. I appreciated that. Yeah, well, we'll dig into that a little bit more in a moment, but I like to ask all of my guests at the beginning, what, what's the impact you're making in the world? So I think we uh, we help uh, particularly B two B marketers uh, solving all this data stuff that is part of their life and making it uh, 
easily accessible so they can spend their time on thinking about which campaign should they make, how should they plan their communication, uh, what projects are working, what projects are not working, and liberating them from having to spend tons of time just sitting inside of tools and spreadsheets trying to figure out what's working. And I dream that when we say what's working is that we we take it, all touches we can find on B2B accounts and then we link it into kind of what revenue did you make on this account. So hopefully it becomes clearer over time which activities you should do more of and which activities uh, you should do less of. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. That's fascinating. And I heard you describe um, Dream Data once as, as a way to measure the impact of marketing and particular, particularly in times of crisis or difficulty where marketing often is the first thing that's cut and yeah. you have a way to say, well, you know, if you cut out the marketing then six months down the track, um, <laughs> here's the impact. You know, we're going to be wishing we had done it, but it'd be too late yeah. then um, to, to show that with data. I've tried that uh, myself actually in my my past company where kind of you know when cash flow was a little bit hard then we kind of from one day to another uh, that's cut the marketing spend in half because like stop the bleeding but yeah what you risk doing is there is that all the seeds that marketing is planting that you want to be harvesting three six twelve months later if it's you know heavier B two B you risk cutting that off and then. You might not feel anything for the first month or two, but at some point your salespeople are going to go like, hey, where's mm. all the, the leads that I used to work? And what we're trying to with Dream Data is to make that whole, uh, full customer journey available, which for B2B is very typically six, 12 months uh, or more. So you don't risk cutting down on the activities that actually produces uh, decent revenue for you. Mm. So tell us, a little bit more in specifics. What are what are some of the um, data points that you look at and you integrate and and pull together? And how how do you display the interactions between the different things and then relate it to that customer journey? Yeah, I'll try to. Um, so so we we work purely on actual digital touches. So our tool is you can say for for business that are leaving a lot of, lot of uh, digital traces, meaning that if your salespeople are today are sitting just with their own phone and calling customers, as opposed to using like a calling software that tracks which person from which account and which point of time was called, uh, then like if you do this kind of behavior where you don't leave any traces, then, then our software don't, don't uh, really work. So hmm. you want to be in your organization making sure that everything you do leaves a trackable uh, trace, which means if you send a mail, make sure it's recorded somewhere. If you call someone, make sure it's recorded. Um, we have a tracking script that you put on your website so you can see every person arriving to the website and we'll store it in a database for you. They do, they will re remain uh, anonymous until that they actually uh, submit a form where they give us consent to look at what they did. But inside this information about every user is also kind of what are the channels that they came from when they arrived to your website. So was it particular ads? Was it a 
a podcast that was posted somewhere and then the user clicked on through your website. And all of these digital touches, uh, Dream Data tries to kind of make a database hub for. So if you have a CRM system, uh, an email tool, you have a customer success tool, you have your website, maybe you even have some outreach software that the salespeople use. All of these things uh, Dream Data plugs into and then try to organize all the touches that the account had into one uh, common timeline. So you don't get a kind of five, six different silos of touches that can be pretty hard to make sense of. Um, I don't know if that made an explanation, mm. that you? Well, yeah, it makes sense to me. I guess I'm, I was curious. Uh, it sounds a little like you can go into Google Analytics for your website and you can set up a whole lot of um, tracking URLs so you know, to determine which visitors come from social media or which visitors come from yeah. email, for example. Um, but that involves building out that whole pathway and everything. So does Dream Data kind of pull all that together for you? Yes, so I actually I think this um, I think this Google Analytics now I might risk getting a little bit technical, but I'll I'll try to stay out of it. But so Google Analytics is is a good tool if uh, whatever you sell uh, can convert on first visit to your website. Hmm. You click somewhere and then you end on your website and then you buy. In that scenario, Google Analytics is actually pretty good. Uh, in B2B, you, you are typically selling to, you know, a team, to a buying committee. Uh, it's taking a long time. Mm. And Google Analytics has no clue about the money you receive from the customers a year later than, than the yeah. first click. And it's not able to join that account journey, uh, in any way. It, Google Analytics is purely looking at, uh, individual devices. So even uh, even you, Jürgen, if you arrive to the website, first from your mobile phone and later in the day from your computer, you would look like two people, hmm. which, you know, very easily leads you to wrong conclusions. And so that's why kind of we've been <laughs> developing green data to help uh, particular people who sell in, in, you know, complex B2B environments what's going on uh, <laughs> because it's so complex and I'd be the first to admit that we are never ever going to tell our customers a hundred percent of the truth. No one is going to do that. Uh, but we're giving them a statistical framework where they maybe go from knowing five, 10, 20% of what's going on to maybe knowing 60, 70 or 80% of what's going on. And that's enough for you to, gain confidence to scale activities. It's enough for you to have confidence that this stuff is clearly not working, so I can shut these things down. How does that sound? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's good. So um, I guess I'd kind of like to explore a little bit. What, what are some of the learnings that we can take out of the data that we have? And, and by pulling it all together with a tool like Dream Data, in terms of that customer journey so you described you know that some some customer journeys that can be quite complex so there's a salesperson yeah. speaks to a, a a representative from a potential client firm yeah. and then there's a relationship established but then 
in terms of making a purchase decision that person at the potential customer company has to possibly internally do some some selling or has to act as the champion internally yes. there are other people yes, then yes, making yes, the yes, decision yes. so there's a whole lot of kind of pathways that lead ultimately yeah. hopefully to the a decision that's a good outcome but yeah yeah so how how does dream data pull together the data that helps inform you know and, and teach us more about what's going on in that journey and where, where things are maybe not working as well as we like a really good question Jürgen. and i think uh, this is a case where you need to combine data with experience and gut feeling uh, what we do for you is we make all the digital touches you've recorded available mm. now what's important of those things uh, can be opinionated um, some of the things that we can tell people is that the very first time that this account arrived on your website uh, was from this ad campaign you've spent ten thousand dollars on this ad campaign and you made zero money of revenue yeah. <laughs> on, the, on, on all the clicks in this campaign so this campaign was not a good idea for you but we have this other campaign that you spent five thousand dollars on but it actually made you twenty thousand dollars so you probably want to pour more money into so into that campaign it might also be what was particularly what we've seen during uh, covid and everything like that that webinars has exploded and everybody's doing them a lot of times what we can see amongst our customers is that webinars are really the first touch in their journey but it, it can actually help that journey uh, progress so kind of you can see that oh maybe some deals had stalled you hosted that webinar the customer maybe learned a little bit more and now you know the deal is progressing again so it's about identifying those you know moments that kind of you know if it's starting the journey or moving them from one pipeline stage to another or it could be things like <laughs> i that, that's something i use dream data for every day is to to look at oh now this account that that's been ghosting me for two months is actually back on our website <laughs> and then i can see okay it's that guy from this account who's on our website so how about i timely reach out to him and say hey uh, Jürgen, I can see you're back on our website and you looked at this page. Um, is there anything in this relation that I can uh, I can help with? Hmm. So yeah, well, I can say in general, it's about like you're sitting on a data gold mine, but if mm. if it's not made available you for like in a <laughs> in a democratized way, then then you can't really utilize all that data that you're sitting on. Hmm. I, yeah, I think you make a really important point there that we have all this data and, and whether we like it or not, the internet and um, all, all our um, activity on the internet is kind of recorded somewhere. <laughs> so yeah, we might as well um, kind of pull it together and be intelligent about how to use it for um, understanding how to interact better with our customers or potential customers, right? Yeah. And maybe and, like, and just, to, just to disclose, kind of, I've always been, since I left university more than 10 years ago, I've always been working in companies where digital and the internet has played a big role. So 
you know, my, I, I live in my own little bubble that <laughs> internet and digital is the main driver, which is definitely is not in every industry. So just so people like take it with a pinch of salt, what I say, because I, I live in my own little uh, digital <laughs> silo as an approach to, to marketing. Hmm. I do think though that, you know, one, one of the things you said there is really important and that's understanding that particularly in, in a B2B environment and where you have a lot of different people involved, both from the company supplying something, a service or a product, and the company who ultimately buys that service or product, that there's um, all these different touch points that need to happen to build that relationship to get to the sale. And then going beyond that, um, particularly in larger companies, to implement the solution to actually not just you know it's not just about buying a manufacturing machine or buying a, a software solution um, it's about implementing that and then getting the best use of that yeah. so there's follow-up stuff as well so the whole customer journey from the point of getting to know what the problem is getting to know what solutions are available to building the relationships and getting the information to be able to make a decision to then implementing that uh, there's so many different touch points and having data around that I think is hugely valuable. Yeah, I can. I just checked out now, but I can see for for whenever we do an average sell uh, of the Dream Data software, we have 37 sessions on our website. Hmm. <laughs> you know, 37 sessions. There, you know, so you just gotta keep communicating to people, and there's so much complexity. And, and I really agree what you say, because like we sell subscriptions at the end of the day. So, you know, we might get that order form signed, but if we don't keep people happy, if we don't help them understand our product, they will not renew that subscription. Hmm. So we need to monitor, do they log into our product? Uh, is there something that they don't understand? Is there something we can explain to them? Can we help our stakeholder implemented in his organization, like, you know, classical change management way of, uh, of thinking about these things. Mm. All right. Now, um, you use the term attribution quite a lot in so some of the podcasts I've heard you speak yeah. on. Oh. Um, tell us a little bit about what that means and why it's important. Yeah, so attribution, I don't know if it's just a, a marketing-specific uh, maybe I don't know if it's just in marketing that 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 word is used for it. A simplified uh, explanation would be to say, uh, if I do A, uh, does B or C happen? <laughs> it's about attribution. It's about understanding uh, when you do stuff, what happens, and what we're talking about when we're talking about B two B attribution. It's about understanding when you win deals. What are the things that took place before you win the deals? And I'm really obsessed about knowing these things because I want to repeat what's working. <laughs> and I want to stop doing the things that's not working. And then uh, sometimes people get overly data-driven and, and leave behind common sense about what the numbers are telling them. <laughs> So that, that like my, uh, like also my advice is to on how to use our own software is that take it with a pinch of salt. If 
the data degree that it provides confirms your gut feeling about this thing is working, then it's probably time to put in more money into that activity. But at the end of the day, attribution for me is about, first of all, it's about getting every touch in your journeys in a database because any kind of model you'll apply will essentially be wrong if it's applied to, you know, five, ten percent of, of the full customer journey. But when you do have the full customer journey or 60, 70% of it, you want to be looking at attribution. If you do these things, do you produce revenue? If you do these things, do you not produce revenue? And, you know, I want to win. So I want to repeat the things that are working. Yeah. Is that a, a doable yeah, yeah. Uh, expression? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, um, yeah, I like the idea, you know, um, stop doing the things that don't work and, and, keep repeating the things that do and yeah. be really clear and particularly when it's kind of a complex chain of events rather than just yeah here's this one thing at this one time that works and i'll do that but it we're talking about a customer journey that um, is very complex um, there's lots of different branches on that journey and so it's, yes it's quite and i think uh, it's for uh, the, the attribution market is also uh, different whether you talk B2C or B2B because in B2C you can actually produce enough data to, you know, to say something pretty conclusive. Like if you have a web shop and when you sell products and you have, you know, a million visitors from ad campaigns. Then you can actually say it's this ad campaign, uh, it's this email, and then you sell your shoe. But in B two B, there's you know multiple stakeholders, there's different time frames, there's different industries, so you you can never get to that truly truly uh, statistical valid uh, data model for attribution. But you can get good indications of what's working, but you can never get to the certainty that you can in B two C because B two C B two C has you know. 100x of, of data and a lot simpler uh, journey yeah that's right and that's it i mean the key thing is generally there's one person making the decision right and that's the person that ultimately buys or, or not whereas in in the company case the you might not see will, that person that buys yeah, because that's the right. person doing the research has a boss that has the credit card yeah exactly <laughs> All right. Well, um, what are some of the, what are some of your tips for people to get started with, kind of understanding this concept of that there's there's actually quite complex, uh, customer journeys involved in, um, getting to the, ultimately to a sale and and how they can start to visualize them and and collect data around that before they even engage a company like um, Dream Data? Yeah, that's a good question, Jürgen. I would actually start uh, very, very simple by kind of looking through my daily activities in my company and, and thinking about, are these things leaving digital traces or not? Like the first thing you need to do is kind of uh, build a repository of uh, data traces. Mm. So like looking through, are we just calling from the phone or should we use a calling software? Is customer success sitting in our Gmail inbox or can we get a piece of customer success software? Um, so like going for every piece of kind of activity you have and making sure that it actually leaves traces because that is the foundation for actually doing data-driven stuff. 
then I would say two more things. One is that the management should demand two things from the employees. One thing is that, first of all, they need to have a narrative about why are we doing this in order to produce more revenue. They should be able to tell a story about verbally, I'm doing this because these things are going to happen and then we're going to get revenue. And then the second thing that they should ask the employees is then when they've told the story to bring proof that it that's true, that now you did these things, it left those traces and at the end of the day we made more money. Mm. And then the last component, which is the simplest of things you can do is that when people reach out to you or when you sign the order forms with customers is like, ask them, where did you hear about our company? What was the first time you, you, we got on your radar? And that like simple qualitative uh, question can tell you a lot about things that are working. So instead of all this high tech, I think it's actually something very tangible things you can do to become uh, a more data driven and digital uh, organization. Yeah. Okay. And that's, that's really good advice. And I, I often say to people, you know, where, where did your clients find you? And I'm amazed that hardly anyone actually checks in. You know, they, they, I don't know, you get so excited, I suppose you've made the sale and you forget to ask, well, how did you actually find out about us? Where did, where did this journey start? Yeah, we're trying to enforce that our salespeople at Greenwood also do like a post-sale interview kind of, where they do ask these things, where did you hear about us? Um, what could we have done better in the sales process? What did you appreciate in the sales process? So trying to like qualitatively understand each customer, what did you like about us? What didn't you like about us? And that there's a ton of learnings in that. Like, mm. oh, the salesperson was a little bit too pushy or, you know, all these small flares that you actually want to know. Hmm. Great. I love it. Now, you mentioned, you know, making sure that you're actually starting to collect some of this information in a way that there is a digital footprint there that you can then use that data and connect it up to learn from it. Hmm. Um, how should, if so, if somebody doesn't have a lot of that in place, what's a best practice approach to that? Because one of the things I see you know, you can get a, a CRM, a client relationship management software. Mm. You can have um, a sales software. You can have a, a call software, like you mentioned. Um, then, of course, we've all yeah. got email of some form. We've yeah, probably yeah, got yeah. websites of some form. There's probably a heap of other stuff. And what I see a lot of businesses doing is is kind of let's take this thing. I think that will work. And then let's yeah. take this other bit and I think that'll work. And then before you know it, you've got all these different systems that don't talk to one another. Yeah. <laughs> so, so to be honest, uh, yeah, it's hard. Uh, particularly if like, if you come from, if you kind of have a heritage of not being highly digital and I, I would, I would really advise people, I think just, you know, get consultancy help, but mm don't don't hire consultants you don't trust or have recommend they recommended from other people i think the hardest things to the the dumbest consultancy service or money i've spent has always been on stuff i don't understand myself so hmm. you know if you're implementing a new it system in any form uh, get an advisor you trust to to help you out picking the the guys that are going to execute the project uh, 
And don't be afraid to ask simple questions <laughs> like, how does this connect with this thing? Uh, does it support what we do? Does it actually fulfill the description of what we told people to, to produce for us? But I think you're, you're probably even a bigger expert on this, uh, this than me. <laughs> Uh, I've, pro I've probably just lived through a few disasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Okay, um, there's, there's one thing you said earlier I'd like to kind of explore a little bit more with you, and I know you're very strong on this, um, as are we, and it's the idea, I mean, I love technology, uh, but I'm also frustrated by a lot of businesses that abdicate any interaction with humans to the technology so whether that's um, you know getting help with from customer service or from uh, whether it's an invoicing question whatever it might be or um, actually getting help with onboarding of a new bit of software or service and, yeah. and it's sort of abdicated to the technology so how do you as a technology company how do you find that balance between you know using the technology to save time to give um to do more than what you can just do with manual human intervention and at the same time balance that human connection and the relationship aspects mm, that's a really good uh, consideration um so i think me being in b2b uh i uh, maybe dispro disproportionate to to B to C appreciate the or like values the the human relations that you can build by like one person to another helping a customer out because you know each account can be super valuable so you don't like want to risk that they feel that like some B to C is kind of like try to get in contact with Google or Facebook or something mm. like that forget about it it's going to be hidden behind endless of forms and like uh, doing yeah. self articles in b2b i think you're really uh, doing it wrong if you're not trying to speak with people and understand uh, what's going on <laughs> one of my um, i guess favorite rants are like chatbots which i think is <laughs> you know overly used uh, it shouldn't be used in b2b unless like your volume is uh, enormous because <laughs> i've never had a good chatbot experience i just want to ask a question and then i want a human to answer my question hmm. uh, yeah whereas yeah, like I, it, it'd be where like again the outcomes are much more simple hmm. uh, then it might make sense with a chatbot but yeah i would be really careful about over applying uh, technology when it comes to interacting with the uh, yeah, potential customers hmm. Yeah, I agree with you on the on the chatbots. I think there's clever ways that you can use some of that technology. I've seen clever chatbots where somebody actually, there's a person comes on a video. In fact, we've got a, a kind of a video that pops up instead of a chatbot on our website and people can respond with their own video or, or audio or just type a message in. Um, yeah. But but there, I've seen chatbots that operate like that and ask you a bunch of questions and and then you have one or two rounds of questions where if it's a standard question, you get the answer. But if not, 
um, <laughs> there's there's then a way to actually connect with a person directly. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's yeah. a bit of a filter there, and and so I, I think you know there's ways to use those tools. But you're right. Um, that's one of my pet peeves that people use them <laughs> to to disconnect rather than. But you know, like technology do technology can do a lot of good as well. There's you know video software that instead of you writing a mail that can sound sometimes sound a little bit rough or like mm -hmm. a little bit frank, then you can record a video of, of yourself where people can see you smile and you explain stuff and does kind of build a relationship with you without you actually being a synchronous uh, speaking. Mm. Yes, that's that's a really great example, I think, of of using the technology. All right, well, you know, you've given us a fascinating insight into what um, Dream Data can do and how it can relate to, you know, a genuine complex customer journey that, that involves lots of different people. And, and you talked about b to c i mean it's it's still human to human isn't it even though yeah, yeah, it's it's an organization and there might be a lot of different people but it's still human to human so it's the relationship 100 percent. yeah okay i think it's a good point to move on to the buzz which is our lightning round <laughs> where i ask the same five questions of each of our guests and the idea is that you'll give us a really insightful answers and inspire the listener <laughs> to go and do something I'll awesome try, I'll try you. yeah <laughs> Okay, um, what's the number one thing you think anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Oh, uh, for me, it's uh, it's writing every idea down so I don't act on all of the ideas right away, which is kind <laughs> of, I'm the type of guy that get many ideas and like act pretty impulsive on like, now I want to execute these things, but mm -hmm. I they tend to get better if I just write them down and then kind of once a week or once a month look at them and try to say, okay, what's actually the priority uh, now? Uh, so adding a bit of structure to your idea uh, explosion uh, is, is for me one of the best ways to not necessarily more innovative, but producing ideas that that's valuable. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. And, and I have a what I call a brain dump board. So when I have ideas, I mean, the first reason I write yeah. them down is often I'll forget about them again <laughs> later on, yeah. and that might be a really good idea, or or I do what you do. I get excited about something and just jump straight <laughs> in rather than think about it <laughs> and forget yeah. about it, what's important it right now. It takes some strengths on the team sometimes to <laughs> live with such a person. Yeah. So, yeah, so I have this brain dump board, and then I visit it once once a week um, yeah. at a certain time and have a look at it and think, oh, yeah, I'll just leave that one there for now or there might be yeah. something that use that and that'll help with this particular area of focus we've got going right now. Mm. Okay, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Mm. If, you, if, if I, if I want to I wanna approach this as kind of getting good or impactful ideas, so setting only a few goals, executing only a few ideas, uh, I think it's oftentimes the best thing to do because if you spread yourself too thin over too many projects, too many ideas, the outcome is just not strong enough and you get stressed by having like seven different projects running and like you get dissatisfied by not seeing them working. So write all those ideas down, 
ruthlessly prioritize what are actually the most important ones, what are the easiest ones to execute, and then get them out of the way before you open up a box of uh, new ideas. Mm, yeah, I love that. Ruthlessly prioritize. So yeah. Really focus. Mm, great. Okay, do you have a favorite resource other than data, uh, Dream Data, of course, that you use most <laughs> often? Yeah. Obviously, my, I think I've constructed my my Twitter and LinkedIn feeds nowadays to like be one big explosion of uh, of <laughs> ideas. Uh, and then uh, there's a uh, there's a website, a, a community called uh, GrowthHackers dot uh, which have a, a weekly newsletter where they they send you a digest of the best uh, posts of the week, which I quite often find that there's some really uh, good innovative stuff in there. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I think I was subscribed to that for some time, and I was reading that. So there's fascinating things that come up in that. Um, but I've recently gone on a ruthless prioritization of my email <laughs> inbox and been unsubscribing that, uh, radically. So I suspect that that might have fallen victim to that one as well. Yeah, I think they like. I've been through the same process, getting less noise in my life, deleting the social media apps that I don't use, don't receive all those ridiculous newsletters that you don't use. I think it's a, it's a great advice. All right. Uh, the best way to keep a client on track? The best way to keep a client on track? Uh, I think, again, uh, helps simplify what's important. Like the client might want. 10 different things, but those 10 things are not all equally important. So like keep a closed loop uh, communication uh, and then continuously like remind people that you cannot do everything at once and what, what's most <laughs> ruthlessly prioritize what's most important first. And, you know, make sure that the relationship starts out realistically don't set too high expectations just to fall short just after uh, the, the order is signed hmm. yeah i love that um it's a thing there isn't it ruthlessly prioritized but also the setting the expectations up front so that it's yeah really i think we initially a dream that i kind of as a founder you just want somebody to buy from you yeah <laughs> we learn little by little that like, you know, set less expectation make it more clear what the product does because then like when you start onboarding people the, the outcome is just much better hmm. great all right and what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves so i'm gonna I'm going to steal a quote that I saw from a CMO at Gong, which kind of has been kind of scratching my mind for some months now, which is uh, different is better than better. <laughs> and finding comfort in that instead of you striving to be, you know, going from 90 to 95% uh, performance, Maybe 80% performance is good enough if you're like clearly different in your industry, if you communicate, uh, if you look, if your voice and tone is different. Find comfort in that instead of competing on the one or 2% performance, then being different, <laughs> whatever that is, visually, verbally, design-wise, uh, product-wise, is better. Hmm. 
different is better than better. I think it's a, it's kind of a, a mind boggler. Of course, you cannot fail completely with your product because then, you know, the reviews will be staggeringly uh, bad. But instead of competing for one or two percent, don't be afraid to, to stand out a bit. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that quote encapsulates a lot of stuff, really, because it it almost gives you permission to you know embrace your own un- uniqueness. Um, yeah. Don't try to be like somebody else and try to emulate them. So, for example, you know, there's this other bit of software that does similar stuff. So I yeah. will just do that stuff better. Well, no, you know, I, I'm solving a slightly different problem, so we will be different. Yeah. Mm. Mm. All right. Well, thanks, Stefan. This has been really great. Now, where can people find out more about Dream Data, about you, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared? Yeah. So, you know, dreamdata.io is our website. Uh, I am pretty active on, uh, on LinkedIn. So, so check out me, check out my profile there and you can follow me. And I, I try to post almost daily nowadays. So everything related to these B2B demand generation, customer journey attribution, those stuff you'll, you'll see a lot of if you start following me on, on LinkedIn. So you can learn a lot more about that. And we'll have links in the show notes to all those places. So. That's great. All right. Do you have some parting advice for our listener today, Stefan? <laughs> mm, I think just uh, if we go back to what I said uh, somewhere, what during the show, like start having narratives about wh- what you do and why that leads to revenue. I think that's the first step you need to take in order to become driven by revenue and you know, as opposed to ribbon, uh, to vanity, <laughs> being able to explain why are we doing these things? Why does that lead us to a better place? I think that, you know, that's a good team discussion. It's a good uh, discussion just with yourself. <laughs> why are we doing the things that we're doing? So I think that would be my advice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's a, quite a powerful question. Sometimes it can lead to surprising outcomes. All right. Finally, Stefan, who else should I get on this show and why? Oh, I think you should get my good friend, uh, Bo, on the show. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur who just stepped down after running a successful uh, digital agency for, for 10 years. And he's now, um, you know, pondering his next step. And uh, I think he's a very reflected uh, guy, which I think you would have a, a great conversation with. All right, we'll, we'll get an introduction. And uh, yeah, I'll send you his LinkedIn profile and uh, happy to introduce if, if that becomes uh, something you want to do. Excellent. Yeah, well, I'd love to connect with him and then we'll um, invite him onto the show, have a conversation with him as well. <laughs> That'd be cool. So thanks so much, Stefan. It's been a pleasure to talk with you today and learn more about dream data and how how collecting all the information that that's available and connecting it together and then drawing on that to get insights into what's happening on the customer journey and what we can attribute back to mm-hmm. activity that we're doing so it's been um, great education for me and i'm sure there's lots of value in it for the listener so thanks again yeah thank you Jürgen. i really appreciate yeah. it All the best and stay in touch.
I hope you enjoyed that informative and insightful conversation with Stefan and took something away from his episode. Stefan's intense focus on using data to understand the customer journey, the various customer journeys, and keeping the touch points human was a big highlight for me. I'd love to know what you took away from Stefan's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Stefan Hedebrandt. That is S-T-E-F-F-E-N-H-E-D-E-B-R-A-N-D-T. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Stefan Hedebrandt. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Stefan, as well as links to the Dream Data website, to his social media pages and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. If you like this episode and got value from it, then please share it with other people that it might help. And tag me in on that share so that I can thank you with a special. Stefan suggested that we have a conversation with Bo Muller of Software Agency 24 on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Bo, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Stefan Hedebrandt. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including Kurian Tharakan, author of Seven Essential Stories Charismatic Leaders Tell, and we welcome back Jonathan Callanan, strategic marketer, course and community builder. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.